0: This is John Shannon with Radio Free Galisteo, and I am talking to Dr. Pauline Boss, who's Emeritus Professor at the University of Minnesota. She is known worldwide for developing the theory of ambiguous loss and is a pioneer in the interdisciplinary study of family stress management. Dr. Boss is the author of Loss, Trauma, and Resilience, Therapeutic Work with Ambiguous Loss, in addition to The Myth of Closure, Ambiguous Loss. In a Time of Pandemic and Change. And she is coming to us from Minnesota, correct?
1: Minneapolis, yes, Minnesota. Okay.
0: So The Myth of Closure is your most recent book. It is, I guess, timely in so many ways. But if you could just give us a quick overview of this book, and you're motivated to to write it because of the pandemic, it obviously has a broader impact
1: yes well for over 40 years i've been working with families who have ambiguous losses that is unclear losses like the first i worked with were families of the soldiers missing in action in vietnam uh, they had no body to bury and and this is agonizing for families um, and then i worked with of uh, families uh, veterans who had Alzheimer's disease and other dementias. So the they had the person was there with them mm. back in the States, but, but their mind and memory were going. So after studying 40 years of ambiguous loss, um, of which there are two kinds, the first is physical, like the soldiers missing in action, uh, and more commonly would be adoption and divorce. And the second kind is psychological where the mind is missing. And that would be uh, football head injuries. Um, It would be um, uh, dementia, it could be addiction and so on. Mm -hmm. Um, What I came to the conclusion, working with the families of the missing was that they had no closure and that that was um, the hardest part of it. But in fact, I was using the wrong word at that time, um, decades ago. What they didn't have was resolution or justice. Ah. Um, And I came to realize that they don't want closure, nor do people with a clear-cut death in the family want closure. They want to remember their loved ones. We Mm -hmm. saw that yesterday on Memorial Day. Um, People do not want to forget even a home or a pet that they have been attached to, and they certainly don't want to forget their loved ones. And so, I just got sick of hearing the term on in the media and on the street. Well, they'll have closure now. They had a funeral. Well, they'll have closure now. They had a trial. Uh, we have to give up that word.
0: So closure, closures out. Resolution is in.
1: Yes, or peace might be. They need peace. Mm. But the reason closure is out, it's a perfectly good word in real estate and when a deal is done or when you close a road because there's a flood. Perfectly good word. But it's a terrible word to use on loving human relationships where you have been attached to the person who is lost. It's cruel. And the people who suffer such losses know it. The people who haven't are still using it. And then it makes the people who say they haven't, they are not over it, feel guilty. Mm-hmm. We don't get over loss. We learn to live with it.
0: Right, right. Well, my background is uh, is in the military. I was in the, the Army for 26 years and uh, did two tours in Afghanistan. So I, I saw, my, you know, I've had my share of loss.
1: Mm-hmm, your share, mm-hmm. yes.
0: And also recently, I just, uh, my, my father passed away uh, from cancer. And um, fortunately, I was able to be with him right up until he died. And so I do feel I have had resolution with him. And I, I and I don't look at it as closure either. I look at it as, you know, I still have my, my dad in my mind. And sure. am I, am I look around or am I look in the mirror for that matter. So, <laughs> And those are all good things.
1: With your dad who had cancer, which is a terminal illness, you probably were grieving a bit ahead of time as I did with my husband before he died. Uh, You knew it was coming. And I think we need to be aware that a terminal illness is an ambiguous loss and that we start grieving before the person has died. And then you have a clear cut loss when you have the death certificate.
0: Correct. Yeah. And that, that certainly is, it was my experience with it. In, in the military, though, even though we there's an expectation if you're in a combat situation that the, there's the potential for it, it's still pretty damn shocking
1: <laughs> mm-hmm.
0: <laughs> when you lose I somebody. I so
1: respect yeah. you and thank you for your yeah. service. We'll I taught at the uh, U.S. Army War College a couple of years in a row decades ago on family stress management because the family stress for military families is very very high.
0: Yeah, and indeed and and since you bring it up, I mean that that is uh some people don't really unless they're in the military, they don't understand that it's not simply the soldier, it's the family and the people at home yes. who are you know that that is really certainly a, a big yeah. element to it. Let me ask you this, unfortunately in the news we've had uh, this the shooting Uh, of children in Uvalde in Texas. Now that it's pretty, there's a, sadly, a very clear cut ending to those children's lives, but the circumstances now under which they, they died. uh, Does it qualify as ambiguous because there was the possibility we think of the, uh, the police going in and doing something and they didn't? And so now the parents are, are sort of like, that should never have happened. Uh, is that Does that qualify as an ambiguity that they're going to have to deal with now? The, Absolutely.
1: The um, it piled on top of a clear-cut loss right. of murder. But now there are extraordinary questions remaining regarding what happened and why and so on. The agony of those families must be immense. Yeah. Not only did they have violent and a sudden shooting with no prediction, a meaningless shooting, but now they have these unbelievable questions surrounding that loss. Mm-hmm. My heart goes out to them. I, I've not seen that sort of pile up of losses you perhaps have in the military when something mm-hmm. goes screwy. Um, yeah. And indeed it did here. And then of course, on top of that, there is the general public's uh, uproar about assault rifles. Mm-hmm. And, and in fact, that may become the common ground for some action. I pray that it does, because there's been too much inaction on this for too long. Too many people killed like this. Mm-hmm. Um, and from what I'm feeling, and I come from a hunting family. I grew up in Wisconsin. My son's in Colorado. Hunter's. We're not talking about that. we're talking right. about an assault rifle, and it seems to me that that on top of the suffering of these people has to be immense stress, like I have not seen before in a long time. It
0: seems really profound and i'm I'm having a hard time finding words to describe yes,
1: It's meaningless, <laughs> isn't it i mean it's 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 irrational, nothing makes sense,
0: yeah. So let's expand that out a little bit. We have a war going on in Ukraine, and that also seems pretty senseless. <laughs> I mean, there's got to be, there's obviously some geopolitical something going on in the mind of the the leaders of Russia, uh, Putin, for example, but there's tremendous loss there. Tremendous
1: loss and carnage. I actually am talking with some of the therapists in Ukraine, and uh, we talked about how can they find meaning in these losses? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. The Ukrainian people certainly have the meaning of their fighting for their freedom and they're willing to die for it. It may be the same meaning that a soldier has. I'm not sure. But if you think about the other, the aggressor, it makes no sense at all. Right. Uh, and, and so it, it is a fight that will continue. And, and we'll see how it turns out. I certainly know how I hope it turns out. You want a right to win over might, but we'll see how that goes. I'm, I can't believe the bravery of those people. And the fact that their meaning is that I will fight and die for my freedom is admirable. And I'm wondering if I could ever do that. Of course, I've never been challenged.
0: Yeah, I think... You know, as you pointed out, with Memorial Day being yesterday, where we we do recall all those who have fought for the country and lost their lives. Those are people who chose to do that and stood up and and did that. And I think if we talk about, you know, and I don't want to get. Jingoistic or nationalistic here, but uh, you know, the, the American spirit uh, if we were invaded the same way that uh, Ukraine was, I would imagine we'd have a very similar response. And
1: I, I imagine I like yeah. to think I would. Um, yeah. The thing is, I've never been tested,
0: right? Um, yeah, yeah. Thank, goodness. thank goodness, right?
1: Yes, yes,
0: <laughs> thank goodness we haven't. So it sounds to me and uh, like the the only way to get resolution is to find meaning find that meaning how how do That's we right. how does one do that or how does a group do that or a nation do that when you do have something that is seemingly senseless you you i guess you pointed out that there maybe there's a rallying point around a, a particular thing but uh, how does how does one go about finding meaning and accepting where they are and accepting their loss or understanding it.
1: I think you have to find common ground somewhere. Hmm. And if you're just talking about yourself and the loss is one we have had, you and I, or anyone who's listening has had, you use both and thinking, which is um, not the kind of thinking we usually use in our work, which is uh, absolute thinking, binary thinking. Here's an example. I both... I both lost a lot during the pandemic and I gained some new things to learn. Hmm. Or you would say, I really want to help the people who have lost, And I realized I must help myself first before I can help others. So you, you do a pro and a con in, in a both and sentence and we're, You know, maybe we can do that about gun violence as well. I both support guns for hunters and self-protection and am desperately against assault rifles. That's where people find a common ground and less stress. So if you're talking just about yourself, I'm both nervous about this and eager to do it for the better good of community. That's a stress-reducing way to think. And I think right now we're in the midst of a mess all over worldwide, let's say, yeah. and also in our own country and with the latest of the school shooting and novellas, and I could list more. And in the book of The Myth of Closure, I list historical ones, messes mm-hmm. that went on sometimes for two decades or more. After that turmoil, We usually come out with something better, perhaps because of the result of compromise and negotiation. And there's growth and there's prosperity afterwards for quite a long time. Uh My hope is when we're through this mess we've been in, the pandemic and everything else, political and shootings and violence and wars, that the world will come to a more healing place so that we'll accept diversity. That's inevitable. And we, we can do that much better than we have. And equality for all. The, right. family, the family of humankind will not survive unless we do that.
0: This is Radio Free Galisteo. Music and information from the Galisteo Basin. Radio Free Galisteo is listener-supported. Go to www.radiofreegalisteo.com and click on our Patreon support button to become an active supporting member of Radio Free Galisteo. And which you bring up a point, I mean, you know, I've, I've focused on Uvalde, but you know, what, the week prior, there was a a, a mass shooting in Buffalo, in Buffalo, New York. I mean, racially motivated uh, mass shooting. And uh, I think your last statement really speaks to to that as well. Would that be the advice that we would give to the community to to Buffalo is, you know, yeah, we we understand we've we've lost these folks, but now this is an opportunity to seek what social justice equality or
1: change. I think we have to get mad Yeah, and uh, we're sad, but I think uh, we are both sad and we need to get mad, Uh, which will, and the momentum from anger will bring about change. And I'm not talking about retribution, shooting somebody else uh, in retribution. I'm talking about making legal law policy changes. Mm-hmm. And we have to get mad at our policymakers, our lawmakers, and say this has to change.
0: Does that d- really develop a resolve to uh, to do to do this uh, based on you know our our anger?
1: Yes. Well, we need momentum for change mm. um, because we say hearts and prayers, and we're sad, we grieve. Of course, we do. Sure. But when that that period moves on. And then anger sets in. I think that anger is now helpful Mm -hmm. to motivate people to vote, to motivate people to make change, to insist on their lawmakers to make change or vote them out.
0: Let me spin this in a slightly different direction. So let's say you have people are very frustrated with the legislative process and they decide, hey, we're just going to do something otherwise to make a difference short of, short of violence. Do you see that coming out as a, as a possibility for people where they, they have become fed up with, as you said, you know, thoughts and prayers, fine, but our politicians are incapable of action. We're going to do something else.
1: Well, I'm not a revolutionary. I can tell you that. Okay. Um, Uh, Regarding the women's movement, uh, my way of dealing with that was to put on my pearls and infiltrate, (laughs) mostly in the academic world, where I was a professor for a long time, and Mm -hmm. still am in that world. But I I was recently at a demonstration for Choice. I'm 88, and I shouldn't have to do this anymore. I did it many times before for the same same woman's uh, reason. So I believe in, in working for change, but not overthrowing anything. So I'm not a revolutionary in that way. But I think we have to be active, all of us. We can't just sit back and, and pray. We can't just sit back and say, I hope this happens. We have to do something. Right. Uh, some people give money for a cause. Some people actually go and demonstrate, some educate. You're doing it right now. Uh, you have a platform. And, of course, we choose who we listen to. And I think on, I'm not a person who who is online or li- listens to social media or watches it at my age. I just don't. I'm not even on Facebook. But I understand there, that that's addictive and some people are listen, listening to non-factual material. Mm-hmm and then it becomes addictive and we get trouble there. Right. So we have to make changes on a lot of levels.
0: Right. Yeah, and and <laughs> no small change uh, anywhere.
1: <laughs> yes. Yes. Oh, yeah, my grandchildren are farther left than I am and we have good conversations. We all believe I think even my republican friends, conservative friends, reasonable Republicans all want change sure all want change
0: well I, I think one of the things that has changed in the country is that we were able to have those discussions without it becoming uh, uh, this uh, uh, pick your side and uh, my way or the highway kind of attitude and and that 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 has been lacking, uh, the, the compromise yeah. of, of, you know, yeah. which which also had its own frustrations, but it's now, it does seem to be lacking quite a bit.
1: Yeah. It's that absolute thinking, you know, you're either for me or against me.
0: Right. So I both end think- and thinking is what we need.
1: Absolutely. You got it. You got it. <laughs> Dr. Boss, uh,
0: some final thoughts as we, as we start winding up.
1: Well, I hope people... uh, read the book. Yes, I'm an academic, but uh, this time I wrote in first person, and it's a very easy read. Uh, And the myth of closure, I think, will be relevant to anybody who's ever had a loss or who is interested in change since the pandemic has really stirred us up, as well as all the other things that are going on. So it's very personal. It's not academic, and I decided I could do that at my age and I did not have to write in the academic style anymore.
0: Good for you. <laughs> <laughs> Strike a blow for the common man.
1: Yes. I, <laughs> and woman. Yeah, woman. <laughs> <laughs>
0: uh, yes. All right. Well, thank you very much for joining us today. You've been listening to Dr. Pauline Boss, professor emeritus at the university of Minnesota And her book is The Myth of Closure, Ambiguous Loss in a Time of Pandemic and Change, published by W.W. Norton.
1: Where can people find this? Any place where you buy books, including uh, Amazon online or in your favorite bookstore. Okay, there it is. And it's also audio and electronic versions as well.
0: Fantastic. Dr. Boss, thank you very much.
1: Can I give a shout out to my granddaughter, Haley, who is a firefighter in your state right now?
0: Please do. Yes. Thank you, Haley. Haley Boss. You've been listening to Dr. Pauline Boss. And for Radio Free Galisteo, I'm John Shannon.